an extremely textural metal track. An alternative rock song that's a roller coaster of emotions and restraint. And a satirical piece that may or may not have a serious side. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. All right, folks, another Themes and Variation coming at you. We've got a great episode for you as we're talking about songs that aren't for the faint of heart. We've got three tracks that for one reason or another might test your mettle as a listener. And joining me for this deep dive is, of course, my frequent co-host, Mihaela Lee, and our dear friend, singer-songwriter, Christina Apostolopoulos. Blending honey-sweet vocals with fiery guitar chops, Christina's music provides an emotional and honest journey through the folk, rock, and jazz genres. And you can stream or purchase her full-length debut record, The Only Thing I'm Good At, wherever you get your music. And in addition to her solo career, Christina is a sought-after session musician and has contributed to various bands and recordings. She's worked with artists including Georgia Knott of Broods and Kimmy Ricor of Lone Priestess, as well as music for film and television. And of course, if you are a musician, producer, songwriter, even just a little bit curious about music, be sure to head to soundfly.com. We've got courses on everything you could possibly want to learn in the world of music. And be sure to use that discount code THEMES, that's THEMES all caps, to take 20% off a monthly or annual subscription. And if you're digging the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review there or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps the show out. That's enough out of me. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, Songs That Aren't For The Faint Of Heart. All right, folks, another themes and variation coming at you. Mejia, you know, thanks for joining us on another episode. (laughs) This is my worst intro yet. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh jeez, I'm I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little giddy because we have a dear friend who I haven't spoken to, and I, I think it's been a minute, which I I think will absolutely lend itself to some hijinks, maybe on this episode, and like a lot of laughs, with the exception of a couple text messages that are like, "Hey, we moved to a new state." <laughs> See, yeah. see you later. <laughs> Absolutely. Sort of well, without yeah. getting you know, without bearing the lead too much, we are joined by the incredible musician songwriter and our dear friend christina apostolopoulos christina how you doing hey hey guys it's so good to see you i actually yes it was pre-pandemic um i don't know if i've talked to you about this mahea but i'm pretty sure the last time we hung out was like february 2020 oh man and i was really sick like i i was getting sick all the time and that whole month and i was like taking stuff and we went to brunch yeah. And I couldn't taste the food. Whoa. And then oh, and then uh, and then we went to the candle store after. I don't know if you yeah. remember. And I yeah. couldn't smell the candles. I do remember that. <laughs> and this was before oh. this was like just before people were talking uh-huh. about COVID. So I think I had COVID when we were together. I, I just because I, I remember that too. so clearly. But we're doing okay now and that's mm-hmm. that's what matters. And yeah, I'm so I'm so just happy to see you guys. 
so nice thrilled yeah. uh, this is a this big is get for the podcast then we had patient zero for for covid <laughs> in america this is huge but uh here we are we're talking about songs that aren't for the faint of heart christina you landed on this theme what kind of what made you pick this theme for for today's episode um i really uh all the ones you sent me were interesting for some reason. That one really spoke to me. I think mm. my musical taste has changed so much, like as a adult uh, in my very late twenties. Um, <laughs> that versus like when I was a teenager, I feel like I listened to more quote unquote like angsty teenager music now than mm -hmm. I did when I was a teenager. Mm. I when I was I mean I, angsty but in a different way. Like I listened to a lot of Elliot Smith and yeah. Simon and Garfunkel and very like moody, sad music. And now I just a couple weeks ago, you guys are gonna be really proud of me. I went to a <laughs> uh corn and system of a down oh, concert. Sick. Whoa. <laughs> and like I would have never done that when i was a teenager yeah. like um and i yeah my my like musical palette has expanded a lot and i guess i'm just like a lot angrier now than i was <laughs> or you know i was like i'm i'm getting uh more into types of music that i i wasn't into as much earlier and i also i teach um guitar that's kind of my main gig right now and uh this song that i chose a student of mine introduced to me and i've been like learning about a lot of new music through my young cool students <laughs> did system of a down play toxicity of course they did of course did. yeah that'd be weird I was yeah that'd be weird if they did it's it it's an old song sometimes people don't deliver that was my ringtone in middle school back in the like, really? eight bit sounding days <laughs> It's always interesting to me when bands that you expect to just be like hard are have other things going on. Like I only recently discovered how poetic Slipknot is as like an entity. Yeah. Like the whole idea of wearing masks so that you're like the vessel for the song. That's that's sick. It anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's the <laughs> layers. Worlds for me There's layers. I, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, I got into System of Down through ringtones. Carter had to play music. Christina yeah. did it the cool way that you're supposed to by listening Going to them. To but uh, yeah. Carter, well, I, you know, <laughs> let's listen to some music. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm dying to get into some tracks. So this is our first selection for the episode. Happened Sweet. to be my pick uh, for songs not for the faint of heart. We are listening to The Hand That Feeds from Nine Inch Nails. Of course, Trent Reznor. Uh, I don't know if he played all instruments, but vast majority of instruments, songwriter, producer, all that. Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails just kind of came out as like, I, I think that's going to be the the fit for this episode for me. And then I remembered Alice in Chains, uh, their track Them mm -hmm. Bones, which I am 
just I love the record Dirt, one of my all-time favorite records, and I haven't had the chance to talk about it yet, or I just stupidly have not found a way to talk about it yet. Still love this song. Wasn't my first pick. I, Closer was my first pick, but the lyrics are like super intense and and rough. So I didn't want to. I want to give myself on. a chance. I think to to talk about that. But um, you know, your your initial experience with Nine Inch Nails. You listen to Nine Inch Nails. So when we get to the end of the episode and you hear my bizarre choice, this might oh, be surprising. Man. But I I initially had thought about doing a song by How to Destroy Angels. Do you know that band? No. No. It's Reznor's project with his wife and a couple of his other like long-term collaborators. Oh, yeah. yeah. And in addition to doing music that's like, you know, heavy and like awesome, they do videos that are mm. not for the faint of heart. I did not grow up listening to this kind of music. I'm like kind of new to these bands. Um, I don't know why it made me think of the Magic Mike movie. Um, I feel like they use a lot. <laughs> this this <laughs> song did? Yeah, oh, man. That's such a weird choice. I, hey, I fully mean, support um, that. That's weird. awesome. Yeah, but yeah. It's it, like, yeah. a, like a cool strip club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but i like i like the uh opening of i I like when when songs like it starts like you're like you are listening from outside the club and then you're walking in to this space um you know kind of setting the scene One quick fun fact before I really get into the, the meat of this track for the song. They did an update of their website uh, on April 15th, 2005, and it included a link to a multi-track garage band file of this song. So That's people so were cool. able to download uh, the multi-track and remix the track uh, to their heart's content. So super cool. cool. Love seeing that. Do you have that. any remixes ready to go? Uh, no, I don't, man. No, I'm not prepared with any. That's yeah, okay. we can, we can okay. put some remixes in uh, right now. Will you chew until it bleeds? Can you get up off your knees? Are you brave enough to see? Do you want to change it? If it you, will you stay down on your knees? Will you bite the So I went for something that I felt was sonically, not for the faint of heart. Christine, you mentioned in the intro, like industrial rock there. Definitely that has that vibe. Like Marilyn Manson has that vibe. There, there's tons of that corn as, as we talked about at length has that vibe yeah. system of a down. I think a little more like metal to it, uh, of course, but it still has that, that industrial sound. Sure. So I immediately thought of that genre for this, for this. So Right off the top, you have the little bit crushed sound, like it's on the and on the offbeats happening. Crushing. Love yeah. bit crusher. So yeah. 
Mahate, in your opinion, what what is you know maybe if people aren't familiar with bit crushing, oh don't. How would you explain bit crushing? <laughs> it's to not something that I ever use, so I don't okay. know that I can explain it in a way that I can give works. it a shot. Yeah, I'd rather um, that you do. I really think you're you're really just you're lowering the number of samples uh, and the sample rate on a recording, so you're lowering the quality of the recording. That's basically it. Like you're. Mm distorting the quality and then getting this distorted sound out of it. And you can do it to varying, varying degrees, but that little like offbeat could be a snare, could be something like really bit crushed at the top of this track. Some more sounds on this, like that, that sonically not for the faint of heart. I didn't notice this until like my fourth or fifth, spin of this track there's something like slithering almost on the intro i can't i have no idea what it is i did some found sound kind of moves across the track yeah, yeah. a little bit so yeah mm. i definitely like kind of burrows and burrows yeah. kind of burrows into your brain a little bit make Ooh. makes me uncomfortable now that gross. i notice it and can, can pick it out it <laughs> sounds very gross um a little slithery thing <laughs> burrowing into your brain. Not for the faint of heart <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, on theme. The <laughs> the uh, a favorite of mine on this track, the distorted, grimy bass on this track. The thing that I really love about the bass is that from the intro to when you get halfway through the chorus, the spread of the mix of the bass and the guitar when the guitar hits the riff really widens. So there could be a number of things I think could be a direction mixer at work. So you have a very narrow focus of the sound coming at you. And then at a certain point it widens and widens and widens Mm -hmm. and kind of envelops the track. for bass too because I obviously this is not all encompassing but mm-hmm. I think like we're used to hearing guitars and even vocals and synths and stuff do interesting things panning wise but like bass mm-hmm. is one of those things like it's such a foundational thing I think a lot of people like to just keep it center you know like just dead center there's no movement no widening yep. it just is there so it's pretty cool to hear that so more and more sounds sonically not for the faint of heart uh there's a synth solo there's a couple synth solos actually and the the first one's very cool i love the second at the the solo at 207 it could likely be uh the arp odyssey synth with the ring modulator built in that's kind of where that sounds coming from so i want to play my favorite one actually is the the second little synth feature that happens here more sonically for uh, not for the faint of heart the entire outro the entire outro like wild background vocals floating in and out really dense sound design there's like this drone that kind of happens all the way through and kind of all encompassing of, of the entire outro
I didn't listen to a ton of, of Nine Inch Nails growing up, but like every time I did, it feels exhausting for like, I love, I love, I love the music when I, when I get into it, but like it's, there's like a texture to every recording that kind of, you almost feel the, the recording a little bit while yeah. you're listening to it. Sure. Like there's something yeah. kind of, and it doesn't feel good. Like it just, <laughs> there's some, yeah. there's something else that I can't describe uh, to every Nine Inch Nails recording. And I can love a track for a couple of spins and then I got to, you know, kind of chill a little bit. But your guys' thoughts, yeah. like, does that resonate with you at all? Does that Trent Reznor ate with you at all? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, I, yeah, I think exhausting is a really good uh, word to use, like, for, it's, it's like, yeah, that, that state, whatever that state is where I'm listening to Nine Inch Nails or I don't know, any any other band you would maybe put in that category. It's like sometimes I feel that. Sometimes I want to I want to feel that. But then it's like I, I I personally don't exist in that state for like extended periods of time mm. necessarily, you know? Um so I I vibe with that for sure, but there is something so satisfying about feeling and hearing that density. Um, it's uh, it's yeah. what you need. And and yeah, it's interesting, like with the movies and then the, the intro setting the scene. Yeah, you f- it, 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 there's something about the music that makes you feel like you're in a particular place and time. Christina, what are we listening to? We are listening to Earth Crosser by Veruca Salt. I was introduced to the song by a student um, who wanted to learn it. So I taught it to her. I was really excited because there was slide guitar on the track. Hmm. And so I introduced her to open D tuning and slide, which is something that I do also, like mm-hmm. in my own um, playing and songwriting. You also teach a mini course on OpenD on Soundfly.com. I sure do, guys. <laughs> I sure do. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so if you want to learn that, check that out. Uh, but um, there's a lot of things I really love about this track. I tried to do a, a little more, a little research this this morning about it. Um, I didn't know it. I knew of Veruca Salt. I used to teach uh, at Girls Rock Music Camp for um, several years. And so um, I was introduced to a lot of female fronted bands and like Riot Girl movement mm-hmm. bands. I, I don't know if, I guess Veruca Salt falls into that category. Um, but this song feels like a like a scary movie to me like Mm. the way it builds and expands and contracts um Mm -hmm. even when i know i know when it's gonna go loud in the song i still have that like anticipation beforehand um 
And yeah, the volume like goes so low and so high. Mm-hmm. So there's something really jarring about that. And then lyrically, uh, well, I just really fucking love when she yells lip gloss. Yeah, That's like too. my favorite. Where's my lip gloss? <laughs> he just screams it. Yeah. I guess lyrically the song is, could be about a lot of things, but maybe like, a um a, a sexual experience mm. gone wrong i guess mm. or like not uh at, at its best fully satisfying at its worst gone wrong and mm. so um i think it's sort of an important song for that reason mm-hmm. but musically i was thinking well i know Mahaya's choice and um <laughs> and then uh so i was Boy. like well there's nothing to me, there's there's nothing that's um, you can hear very clearly every part of the song. Mm-hmm. It's a, a pretty you can easily hear and see every element of this happening live. It's not like there's so much uh, happening instrumentally, but I just think that for sure the tones um, when it does explode are really great. And, and satisfying, yeah. but but yeah, it's not, um, un- unlike the Nine Inch Nails thing, I, I don't think there's a lot musically, uh, it's just the the essential structure of the song yeah. and yeah. the way that they go big and, and quiet. and I think there, I totally agree with you. I think there was a couple of things for me that I think could fit the theme musically. With the guitar super hard panned right off the, be- the yeah. right off the bat. That's so <laughs> cool. Headphones. That's kind of unsettling when you're when you're listening to it in headphones. It's kind of like kind of disorienting. For well, sure. especially because really it's on the cool. right ear. Yeah. You know, like I think that I'm used to hearing things that are accidentally mono. When that happens, it typically only comes through your left ear. So with that, I was like, are my headphones broken? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It was, the, yeah. But it was cool. The totally slamming entrance when everything comes in is like mm-hmm. the best. It's so good. I you were talking about like singing like the that lip gloss lyric. This might be blasphemous, but I think that it could almost rival Bohemian Rhapsody on a, a road trip sing-along song, <laughs> this song, right? Away. Yes. Um, so good. <laughs> so good. I'm so glad. Like, yeah. i sure I had heard the song, but I can't remember when I had heard it. So thank you so much for, I mean, maybe introducing it to, to me, which is awesome. Yeah. I love this track. Yeah. yeah. This is like... In in my like this is the kind of band I always wanted to be a part of, but both mm. personality wise and instrumentally, I don't fit this world. But like I heard it, and I was like, like every single section is the best part of a song. Yeah. There's no throwaway like chorus or verse where you're like, that's just there to fill things out. Like every single section works really well. And like you're saying, like the control and the restraint, yeah, are so interesting throughout. Yeah, yeah, and and for sure, I I think one of the uh, other themes that you sent me was sing along and I was like this mm-hmm. song is is definitely also yeah mm-hmm. a, kind of a sing along song and being able to just like s- 
scream those. I think there's only two places where they scream. It's gloss and and then also, you know, the um, love love the prosody of uh, ringing in my ears from playing too loud. It does feel too loud because you're starting so quiet. Yeah. Um, we love to see that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, oh, blurry vision. That's mm. the other place. Blurry vision. And um, and the support of like the other female vocal. I agree. Yeah, I wish yeah. Mia Mejia. We missed our opportunity to be um, the next Veruca Salt. Veruca Pepper. You fit it better than I do. <laughs> Veruca Pepper? Is that what you just said? Yeah. Oh, man. That's so isn't good. For, wait, isn't Veruca Salt the name of um, one of the characters in the Yes, in Willy Wonka. Yeah. 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 Is she the blueberry one? No, that's Violet that's, Beauregard. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's start Violet Beauregard. That's, she's the really not quite this. <laughs> she's the really bratty one. Right. That like want she wants everything. That's uh, funny. And they hate they put her down the like golden egg shoot. That's right. Oh man. Yeah. That movie's terrifying. Movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> book's even scarier. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything else on this track <laughs> that you wanna um, you wanna touch on at all? Any moments or um, um, I don't think so, but I just, uh, there's something especially great to me about a woman screaming mm-hmm. her heart out, mm-hmm. screaming about lip gloss. I just, it just, uh, feeds my soul in a yeah. way that, um, in a, in a way that makes me really happy. Uh-huh. So, um, and, and feel, uh, you know feel validated in my in my frustrations and anger occasionally <laughs> when i'm driving around Absolutely. la which happens so so That's often what you do in LA. Yeah. Oh, i was surprised this song was as old as it was it's 97 97 yep yeah, yeah. It sounds very contemporary yeah. Not to push back. I think it absolutely fits that era of Yeah, like, sure. Totally. But Maybe it's her voice. That, it's, like, I think that it, type of voice is very Well, like, I think it's a little yeah. more progressive even for that era though too like because of the the vocal production in particular like there's moments where it almost sounds in the round almost there's like these little harmony mm-hmm. things melly it's so cool i love songs that when you hear them you're like oh man seeing this live would be such an incredible yeah. experience which oh uh, yeah you know is a lot because of it's really interesting like the arrangement is so interesting to wit the uh harmony shift at at 311 ish uh, it's so cool. I want to play that right now because, God, I want to get this in here. It's so good. <laughs> Just how dry the vocals are, too, throughout is is awesome. I think you can really attach it yourself to that. to her voice, too. Yes. Really nice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and the sweetness yeah. too. Like, yes. Um, I I think yeah, definitely the main word I would use for this song is restraint. Um, so much tension and restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, that when it releases and explodes, it's like really, really, um, really satisfying and really musical. But 
I think the the build is is the reason why my my grandma could not listen to it. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever be ready for this selection, but are we ready to move along? The song I only read the description you said. I haven't listened to it, so I'm <laughs> Oh, nervous. you haven't listened? Oh, man. I'm nervous as hell. Yeah, I love that you haven't listened to it, because this is going to be incredible. So, I think we're going to play the whole thing without comment. The whole thing. And we're going to play the whole the whole piece here. I, well, the whole clip that I have. Oh, my God. Yeah, the cl- it's just a short clip that okay. I sent you. Do you know how long the actual piece is? I have no idea. We'll get to that. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay. So, folks, here's our last selection for the episode. It's going to be okay. That part sounds musical. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Mejia, what do we have the pleasure of listening to? You're using the word pleasure very loosely there. Um, well, we're not really listening to it. And that's, I'll, I'll get to that. And that's part of what makes oh. this Whoa, the song I chose. What? Well, Meta. So we're listening to an interpretation, a MIDI interpretation, mind you, that is missing many of the performance directions that make this a classic in certain circles. Yeah, an interpretation of a piece called Fairy's Air and Death Waltz by the composer and music engraver John Stump. Before I get into anything, Carter, can you play that other clip that I sent you? This is a clip from another interpretation of the same piece of music. So, this is a piece that is rumored, and for the time being confirmed to be impossible to perform. It was written by John Stump, who was a professional music engraver, and I guess you could call him like a musical like satirist, satirist, in case I said that wrong. It's, well, just first impressions from each of you on this. Um, it's hard to even call it a piece of music. <laughs> I'll let Christina <laughs> take this. Maya, you're a piano player, uh, obviously. You're a pianist. And I am kind of semi learning piano right now, and it's really hard for me. And so when I first started listening, I was like, 
it sounds nonsensical, but I can also tell there's a lot of technique and skill. Like the 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 type of nonsense that's being played does right. take skill. <laughs> like right. you can hear like in the first few notes of somebody playing an instrument, you can kind of tell what their level of ability is on that instrument. Like how much dexterity they would need and all that, yeah. Yeah, so my first initial impression was like, <laughs> oh, it almost sounds like just hitting like a keyboard, but then 100%. there is some ability, there's a, like a high level of skill there. And then there were certain points where I was like, oh no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the satire was coming through with yeah. the comments. Yeah. Uh, the hilarious so, comments of uh, Which are that part of the composition. Oh yeah. <sighs> I have no doubt. This piece of music is basically, you know, a music engraver taking every type of thing a music engraver can do and pushing it to its most ridiculous extreme. What is a music engraver? I'm glad you asked. Oh, man. It's a lot like a music copyist. Both engravers and copyists are people that composers might work with to make sure that their scores and parts look professional. Um, mm. Everything from like the length of the stem on each note to like how each measure should be spaced and how many measures go in each system and all that stuff. So John Stump, John Stump, he, um, (laughs) he is a music engraver and he wrote this. Yeah. And he wrote it as humor. Like it wasn't ever intended to be performed. He played. Mm -hmm. Carter, I can tell you have thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. I I have some thoughts. So (laughs) I, (laughs) I have had experience with this piece because I remember, I think the first music school I ever went to, this, yeah, there's a poster of this. And I remember somebody had a note on it like, well, if you think you're having a tough day, like just remember somebody had to learn how to play this piece. And it's like, oh, it's so crazy. I I don't love forced fun and like forced musical (laughs) jokes. And like, like, it's great that it exists and, and all art is beautiful in one way. John Stump, that's a lot of time to spend for like a payoff that's, like I chuckled maybe a little bit. Like it's not, it's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny to me, John. Hear it's me not. <laughs> it didn't even come out that he was the composer until after his death. So it's not like he was like trying to get like meme points online or meme anything. points. I uh, love that. I don't know. When did this come? When was 80s. this written? Okay, okay. It's commentary on music in the way that like just to bring it into like a serious realm. I would liken this to some pieces by like John Cage. Yeah. yeah like four thirty three, yeah. four minutes thirty three, which infamously is the piece of music that you don't play anything in. You like turn a page and I forget what the other directions are. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I used to really feel like four thirty three was performance art but not music. This piece, Death Waltz, has um kind of challenged that stance for me. And here's why. <laughs> So in order to fully appreciate the humor or irony or or whatever you want to call it in both pieces, you have to have some level of musical appreciation and understanding, right? Like if there's humor in it, you only see the humor because you have an expectation there and Mm -hmm. it doesn't deliver on that expectation. That's fair. The other interesting thing about both of those pieces is, I don't know if there's a term for this, but they're pieces of music that in a way primarily exist in the like quote unquote listener's mind. You know, like it's like imaginary conceptual music or something, hypothetical music maybe. Like you see that score and something comes to mind. Yeah. Hypothetical music. That's awesome. Obviously, like <laughs> this being intentionally humorous is different than John Cage dropping a piano from a building or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But right. if that's music, so is this. 
in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's music. I'm not Mm -hmm. debating at all. And I'm I'm just, I think, just being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. But like, it's not funny to me. And that's kind (laughs) of, and that doesn't have to be at all. But like, I, it's cringy, honestly, when I think about like, like, Tune your like oh man like there's and there's chuckles in there for sure. Well, that's the thing is you're not supposed to yell that. So that's my problem with that performance, which I do think is the most valiant effort. That specific (laughs) performance, you're not supposed to yell that. You're supposed to like quietly. It's a technique direction. Like somebody is supposed to tune an ukulele there. That's what's Mm. supposed to happen. You don't yell, release the penguins. Somebody releases penguins. That's cool. So that in the hypothetical performance, if you get penguins. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I'll, cool. I'll get to some of the like my favorite stage directions momentarily, but first let's stay in the st- in the serious light for a second. <laughs> so the other world of music that is taken very seriously by academics that I think this relates to unexpectedly, at least for me, is mm-hmm. um. Have you guys ever heard of Brian Fernio? No. Mm-hmm. He's an academic and a, a really amazing composer who uh, teaches out on the West Coast. He creates these scores that are like super, super, super challenging and precise do you know how annoying it is to read 64th notes he'll go much further than that what's interesting to me about that is you know at first glance that makes it seem like he's writing in a way that limits the performer's ability to interpret something right like if every minute detail is in Mm. the score but it also makes it so that our attention as listeners is drawn to nuance in a way that it typically wouldn't like when you get a lead sheet we, the three of us could get a lead sheet and you'll still hear the melody in every rendition, but they'll be entirely different performances. So you won't actually be able to hear like that. My touch on the keyboard is different than Carter's or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. In Brian Fernio's music, your attention can be brought to those things because so much of the groundwork is already in the score, which is really conceptually interesting to me. Um, that it's like that um, if you follow every direction there's not much room for interpretation is that what you're saying like that like it's gonna sound exactly the same no matter who but because they all sound the same yeah you hear the tiny little differences in just how people play yeah and you can kind of he's like guaranteeing that all of those little details are included Mm -hmm. so you're very interesting person right yeah he said he has no interest in making electronic music because that mm-hmm. will sound the same every single time. But humans yeah. won't. Mm-hmm. John Stump's piece, obviously, that's not its intention. But in a weird way, like, from a distance, a score by Br- Brian Fernio doesn't look that different from a score by John Stump. Mm. Um, just in terms of, like, oh, there's all kinds of markings that I have to look up and make sure they're real things. Because I've never run into that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my other serious bit about this song talking about this kind of approach to music reminds me of um i'm not hugely into i I mean i just never fully got into frank zappa um Mm. but i know a lot of people that that really appreciate him and and um there's this band that frank zappa said was better than the beatles and it was a, a group of uh, girls who um grew up never listening to music they've they'd never heard music before wow. and they acquired instruments and recorded an album Whoa. and um i listened to it and i was like this 
Sounds terrible. (laughs) You know, I was like, it's so conceptually super interesting. But at the end of the day, (laughs) would never want to listen to this. You know, I think that's where that's where I stand. Yeah, you know, so to speak on all of this. Yeah, like it is so interesting, and it's like it becomes its own thing in a way, and. Yeah. And this this idea of like, is it technically music? Is it tech? You know, all this is a really interesting conversation for me. I'm yeah. just like, all I know is I don't want to listen to this on my run, sure. or or is sitting in a chair, or no. like, you know. So, no. But it is interesting that something like that exists, it, it, and that is valid and interesting in its own way. That doesn't mean you have to, um, you know, like it or or listen to it regularly well it's challenging yeah Um, it's a little bit like how like catcher in the rye will never be made a movie because he specifically said he wasn't interested in that happening you know like Mm -hmm. in our heads holden caulfield is whoever we want him to be forever and that's kind of amazing because if they made a movie, we would all just see Toby Maguire, or he seems like yeah, it'd probably, it'd be be Toby Maguire. Then his younger days. Toby Maguire now? <laughs> Not Toby. No, no, no. Maguire it's younger yeah, days. It's 2022. I, I think I Toby know, Maguire was aged out of holding. <laughs> I don't know who's like lovable and derpy anymore. Um, I think it would man. be uh, what, Timothy Chalamet or something. Right? Oh, he's, Tom he's Holland. Too cool. Like Tom he's Holland. too cool. Maybe Tom Holland. Um, but but yeah, you know, like like it it is that thing where. So much of it is up to like interpretation and also where your tastes fall. And for all we know, there could come a time where this is what people like in a Kurt Vonnegut future. This might be music that people go see. Oh um, God! <laughs> another piece. Now I I'm depressed. I know. <laughs> no, or so okay, okay, a lot of those lines that I considered. Too. Yeah, oh, it didn't do man. because we've all sat through lectures on it already. I thought about Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, which when it premiered was like so unloved that it caused a riot and people like threw up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that, that, that is, uh, music. But it wasn't to them. No, it wasn't at the time. No, you're right. And so it's like, it's a matter of, uh, evolving tastes and like, um, they, uh, it's interesting, um, the Elvis movies coming out, and, oh, yeah. and the I, the Baz Luhrmann Elvis, and I watched the trailer, and um, they have you know footage of him. Well, they don't have footage of him, but like the guy playing Elvis is playing for the first time, yeah, uh, in front of an audience. But they put like really heavy metal music behind it, not his actual song playing, and it really highlights like. The feeling of listening to that for the first time and seeing him for the first time. Yeah. For wow. us now, that music is listening. not so extreme. Yeah, yeah. And his movements are not so extreme. So you put that behind it and you're like, oh, now I really sense like the uneasiness but excitement that was behind that because through through the, um, you know, present music lens, like this, yeah, yeah. this now is what it would have been to them back then. So that that's that is interesting and um i i really like grimes like as a as a person um but she she posted she did a tweet recently that was like you know in some odd years like all music will be made by computers and and it will be better than human music yeah, yeah. and so she sparked this whole controversy and you know i i'm of the opinion that the humanity in music is is what makes it special. Absolutely. 
So for being such a like ridiculous, silly, wonderful satire piece, I think that this does raise questions where you don't even have to find it funny mm-hmm. for it to make you think. Don't worry um, about that. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and go through some of the instruments mentioned in the score and the notable ways that they are mentioned. If there are no violas, go to rehearsal letter N. There's a direction at rehearsal letter B that says cool timpani with small fan. Um, and maybe my favorite like indication in any score, it says light explosives, now ellipses, and ellipses, now. Um, which just makes me happy. Multiple harpists who are told to stand up and wait at one point. Um, the one that you might have heard somebody joke about in your AP music class is release the penguins. Yeah. That's kind of the big one. And it's actually like a proper, like, if you look at it, there's no collisions. Like, all the amateur mistakes people make in scores aren't in this. If you were to write this, he did it the correct way, which is so weird, you know? It's weird to look at. Everybody Google it. (laughs) Or we'll put it in the show notes. Time for my favorite part of the show, as always. Mm. Christina, I mean, incredible songwriter, musician, and an incredible friend, of course. But what are you up to now musically? Where can people find you? Anything you want to share? Old records, new records coming out. The floor is yours. Oh, thank you. Um, Well, I uh, last year released three singles and three music videos for each of those singles um and so those are out right now uh i am planning on on recording an album this year uh but it is just um an idea right now (laughs) with some songs so um i don't know keep keep an eye out for that but i'm I'm turning the big three zero at the end of this uh, year, so it's it's like especially important to me You're that so I young. Yeah, do yeah. some <laughs> that I do something uh, with my life. So I'm <laughs> gonna try to make make a, a record between now and then. Um, but yeah, the, the singles are out, the records out. I also uh, made a short film with my friend Eliana, nice. who directed one of my music videos, Shiny and New. Um, we've been high school friends. We actually. She would give me Elliot Smith CDs and I'd trade her Freaks and Geeks DVDs nice. in high school. So we've been friends for a long time. And I, 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 I know scored. you make music and she makes yeah. videos. So you yeah. influence each other heavily. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And we're we're working together a lot more now that she lives in L.A. And uh, we um, filmed and directed a short film last month and uh, I scored it. And that was my first time scoring anything, which was cool. So I'm going to be sharing that very soon as well on my uh, socials. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then I'm I'm playing two shows. I'm playing Bar Lubitsch. I don't know when this comes out, but I'm playing Bar Lubitsch next Tuesday, March 15th. And I'm playing at uh, Formosa Cafe um, on Tuesday, March 22nd. I don't know if that's too soon to come up, but playing shows around L.A., and uh, teaching guitar and, and stuff as well in town. And that's nice. what I'm up to. And that's going to do it for this episode of Themes and Variation. Thank you so much for listening. 
We want to know your favorite songs that aren't for the faint of heart. So as always, there is a link to a Spotify community playlist in our show notes. Feel free to add your selections there. Remember to head to soundfly.com for all of your music learning needs, and you can use the discount code themes to take 20% off a monthly or annual subscription. And if you're enjoying the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A huge thanks to Christina Apostolopoulos for joining us on this episode. And as a special treat, we're going to play this one out with a snippet from her track, Room For You. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme. my TV, it's been broken for weeks, and I droop over my